Welcome to LaGrange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This is part three of LaGrange Point Live on April the 12th, where LaGrange Point sat down with the panel audience and recorded a fantastic, engaging quiz show based around fast facts, myths, and misconceptions. This week we look at some more lightning round facts as well as some crazy Kickstarters that may or may not have been funded. So we're going to move on to our next section which Lauren will head up and this is, we're going to need an audience volunteer for this and thankfully we have one arranged. And this one is called, what, what are we doing next, Lauren? Next we're talking about some Kickstarters. Alright, so what is a Kickstarter? What's going on here? So basically, in science today, it's really hard to get funding for different um, scientific projects that you want to head up. So a lot of scientists have actually headed towards crowdfunding, so getting um, crowds to fund projects that they think are really cool and should really exist. So we're going to present to you some really cool science projects that are a little more on the wild side of science. So we have our lovely volunteer. They're going to be presented with four different Kickstarter projects. So each of our panelists is going to talk about four different. Are going to talk about a single different Kickstarter project, and you get the lovely opportunity of picking which one isn't true. So three are true, one isn't true. Three, three are true and have actually been funded, and one isn't. James, would you like to start us off with the first one? Sure, I'll go first. Have you ever wondered how food is made? I'm at, so, for example, did you know that in some certain ways to make breakfast cereals, we use explosions? What I mean by this. Bear with me. Um, so, when we need to make, um, you know, things like rice bubbles, or you know, make cocoa pops, be puffy. Yeah. Um, since the you know the industrial revolution, I assume somebody came back from a war with a gun and decided to basically shoot a hole of really high pressure steam into some very compressed rice to make rice bubbles. This bit's true. The bit that's the Kickstarter is a group of historians and. Some slightly odd food, I'd have to think odd food scientists really, um, are going to fund, want this money to fund a mobile museum that will demonstrate how the stuff is made. The centrepiece of this will be an old industrial cannon that will shoot rice bubbles out over the audience and create them at the same time. So are you saying there's what a group of historians going around shooting rice bubbles across the crowd? How would, would I be able to go and attend this possibly with my friends? That's the idea, I believe. That's the idea. You could get showered so in rice bubbles. So you could eat them as they fall. <laughs> <laughs> I really if you want to have a magic <laughs> I want to believe. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our first Kickstarter project. Possibly from being funded, possibly we just made it up. What's the next one, Camille? Alrighty. So currently we undertake a lot of unsustainable practices with the way we make different types of food. Um, and they have a large impact on the environment. So but we can't exactly stop it because these developing nations and the farmers there need the money that they get from doing these practices. So how do you find a proper balance between environment and helping the farmers out in the local communities? So one man named Brett Bailey from the University of Massachusetts um, studied birds whilst he was in Honduras and also enjoyed the coffee there. So what he's kickstarted was all about is some, doing some changes to allow these some canopies to grow, which the birds that lived in that area would migrate to, spread the seeds. And how that would help the coffee be made is that 
the coffee plants, um, like, I can't remember the name of coffee, coffee plants, um, they actually thrive when they have a canopy over it, so they really need the shade to grow. So the more of these canopies that were growing would allow for better and more coffee. And so by funding his Kickstarter, you could um, help fund the research and spreading this idea to more communities and practices so that we get more sustainable coffee as well as homes for all these different migratory birds. And like if you fund it, you can also like name your own bird and get guilt-free coffee. So yeah, that's his Kickstarter. Okay, so we use robots for a lot of things. Um, robots and automated processes are really, really useful um, in our age. Um, but something they're not very good at is telling jokes. Because jokes and, and things that are funny, and you guys would know this because I'm really funny, um, <laughs> um, they often have things we don't really understand. We can't explain why something is funny, it sort of just is. And so what they're actually trying to do is to teach robots to make jokes, which would mean my job would just be gone completely. So um, someone from the University of Washington is actually getting um, robots to procedurally generate jokes and tell them to humans and to have the humans rate the jokes and say how funny they are and why they're funny and then using that information to try and produce funnier and funnier jokes until we have robots who can actually successfully make people laugh. And that's the Kickstarter. That's pretty cool. So, my one is about rebooting the space race. So, getting space is pretty expensive, and NASA is having its fundings cut, and, you know, a space race is the reason why the Soviet Union went bust. So, one man, Ray Jarvis, a professor in aerospace engineering in New York State, is seeking to reignite our space race from the ruins of the Soviet space program. So, he believes that the reason it failed was from poor management. So the designs that were actually origi originally used and the prototypes are actually very useful still and we could actually use them to get back in space. So taking these pl plants and applying modern parts and designs should work pretty well. So he's taken the proto prototypes and he has the designs and he just needs a bit of funding to promote this program and get us actually into space. So those are our four Kickstarters. We have James's um, historical... Cannon. Cannon? <laughs> Coco, Coco Pop Cannon. Coco Pop Cannon. We have Camille's Birds and Coffee. We have Lachlan's Comedy Robots. And we have Monique's Space Race. Which do you think isn't a real Kickstarter? They all sound legit. <laughs> They're not, I promise. That's the concerning thing. But like, I don't know, maybe they want like less legit ones to be legit. Does that make sense? Um I think your one is real because Cleverbot exists and Cleverbot is already hilarious. So Okay, fair enough. But I don't have legit. So like did he just go into Russia and like get their stuff because that seemed kind of not going to happen to come yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he said he contacted many of the original designers and um, let's quote have my hands on plans prototypes from the Soviet era space probes I cannot discuss how I went quiet <laughs> so which one do you think is, uh, isn't real then you're tossing up between uh, 
the the, the cocoa pot I'm really sad for the and, the, and the space ones. Which one? Go take a bit. Is the fake one? <laughs> it turns out that the um, popping cannon little sand thing has actually been um, funded and is currently touring. Hooray! Well, you can. Like, it's the National Museum of Food and uh, Design, I think. That exists. Yes, in oh the God. states. In America. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're they have like a museum of food. It's, it's a pretty amazing museum, but it's a travelling exhibit, and you can you can go visit it if you want. So well done. You, though you didn't correctly identify the robotic space probe launching as the false story, you do, however, get to go home with the consolation of knowing that you can visit the giant puff party <laughs> of rice bubbles falling from the sky. Yes, that exists. Just in case anyone else was curious, Camille's story about the birds and growing coffee is actually true, as is Lachlan's story about um, the comedy robots, which actually has its own um, stage performance at the Comedy Club. Really? Yeah. Yes. At Australia? No. Oh. <laughs> One day. So now we're going to move on to a, a, final, a final little round of uh, lightning round of misconceptions. And we're going to breeze through some of the other interesting, uh, interesting things that people often get wrong with science. So I'm going to start it off then with... Um, so let's say you've accidentally dug up an earthworm. But you cut it in half with a shovel. What do you have now? Wouldn't you have, like, two worms? Obviously, two worms is clearly the, the, the misleading answer here. What else? What do you think? What about two dead worms? Close. <laughs> one live worm and one dead worm? In fact, that is, that, that's actually the correct answer. Most, um, most likely, you have a, a, a dead worm. Some species can regenerate from their front half only. So when you cut a worm in half, you don't automatically end up with two worms. Though it might be moving and wriggling and freaking out, it's not going to live for very long. It's just dying. So don't think when you accidentally chop that worm in half, it will be fine, it will be fine. You're most likely killing it. Just don't do that. Um, which is quite sad. However, planarian flatworms can make two. And they can actually be split in half. But they're flatworms and not earthworms. So technically, earthworms, the kind of ones that you get in, in your garden, they can't be split in half. But, but some worms can. Don't earthworms in each of the different segments have like the same no. like, things in them generally? They do, but they can't live. I'm sorry, Camille. You'll have to let go of your earthworm dreams. Does that mean that um, flatworms or planarians are like hydra? Like you cut off one of their heads and two grow back? Pretty much. That's, cool. that's, that's pretty much exactly exactly what uh, the inspiration clearly is for Hydra. Um, spoilers for anyone who's seen Captain America. Um, 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 surely the reference for Hydra would have been the Hydra. <laughs> well, look, all myths have to start somewhere with some sort of lie. And some guy was attacked by this worm, and I was like, oh, I fought it, and I cut it in half, and more came after me. In reality, it wasn't a dragon with lots of heads. It was just lots of these worms splitting in half. And the story got bigger each time he told it, and then we had migrants. And clearly, that's, that's a logical myth formation right there. That's clearly a fact. 
What is a fairly obvious one? What does the position of a sunflower tell us? So we have a sunflower, um, and what does that actually tell us? Where, where, where it's looking at? The, the the taste of your gardener. Well, yes, <laughs> it does tell you who planted it where. Yeah. That's that's factually correct. Yeah, and not I get points for that. And not incorrect, and at the same time correct. So yes, you will get points for that. Congratulations. Thank you. But no, 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 no one knows what um. Um, the orientation of sunflowers tells us. Anyone think they have an idea of what they, they do? Don't they usually follow the sun? That's why they're sunflowers. No. Sunflowers don't actually, don't actually follow the sun during the day. What they will often do is they'll orientate themselves eastward, whatever, whatever direction gets the most sun contact in, the, in one stage of the day. But they don't sit there and then pan like some sort of sprinkler system. Oh, that would be terrifying. Across oh. the, the day. They're not that crazy. Plants are pretty crazy, but they're not that crazy. Pretty crazy. <laughs> crazy plants. <laughs> yes. Um, and we'll just go for, go for one last one, I think, before we move on to... So, this is a pretty obvious one, which hopefully you should all know the answer to. Why does our skin get wrinkled when it's wet? Not for whatever the reason you think it is. Isn't is it because we lose the nutrients in our skin? That's not the that's not the obvious answer, but it's not correct. No. Anyone else? Don't, don't we swell up with water? Like when when you get really really wet, your skin sort of absorbs a little bit more water, and you get all puffy. No, unfortunately, swelling is not. Uh, actually, that is not, that is the obvious answer. So you don't get puffy and you don't get wrinkly from being in the water. That's that's just because you absorb it more. You're not a sponge. Oh, it's if I get stung by a bee, that's when that happens. Yes. Okay. If you were SpongeBob SquarePants, it might be a different story. However, he tends to wrinkle when he's dried out, not when he's full of water. Ah, deep. So, either way you think about it, that's not really correct. Anyone else got any ideas from why you actually wrinkle? Because it's, it's really quite interesting. And the reason why it is, it's, it's not the sperm. It's actually your nervous system. And it, it basically runs a process. It's called uh, vasoconstriction when, when you're in contact with water. And it makes it go all wrinkly, but the reason it does that is it's actually your brain switching on and telling your hands and feet, all right, it's wet, it's slippery, watch out, it's dangerous. We're going to need to be able to grip things so we don't fall over. And so it turns your hands to have all these grooves in them so that it's actually more able to stick to things when it's wet. So it's not your body freaking out because you've been in the water too long. You're not absorbing the water and it's going to explode. It's actually your body responding to help you out in that circumstance. And it's one of those really great old parts of our brains that's just ticking away there as, as part of the as our old central nervous system. And we actually have that in common with dolphins. And dolphins undertake a similar sort of process. No way, dolphins are smooth and lovely. They don't get wrinkly. Have you felt a dolphin? No. <laughs> Wish I had. They look smooth and rough, 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 lovely, but sometimes they can actually be quite abrasive. A bit like Thorpey. When you rub Thorpey, the, the suits, the suit that Thorpe, those shark suits, guys, guys, guys. The shark suits. I could have said Mag- James Magnuson or the Rocket, but that's calls themselves the Rocket, and they're not winning any gold. No, Ian Thorpe's famous torpedo suit. That was rough, like shark skin, because that actually helps him cut through the water faster. Gravitation. Yes, basically through any currents through the swells in the water across it. 
And we, we stole that. We stole that. We said, you know, that works great for animals. Let's just flat out steal it and put it on us. Well, biomimicry is one of the best ways we can invent things, Justin. Like Velcro was stealing from plants. Yep. And, I mean, so many different systems. We, we just steal the molecular patterns from animals. And we also now have taken to stealing their molecular genes, which is one of the other really interesting parts of genetic engineering, where we take plants' immunity to certain bug species and put them into another. So that will bring us to the end of that, uh, that bit of a lightning round. And what we're going to do now is we're going to move to a final challenge bonus round, and it's going to be between the three winners that we've had. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week was the last part of our LaGrange Point live special from April the 12th. Hope you enjoyed the live hilarious kickstarts and the crazy misconceptions. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.